Thank you, choir, as always. Thank you. Thursday uh, was a really special day around here, but it was also, did you know, International Women's Day. And so I'd like to begin with a quote from a very important female figure, Rosa Parks. She says, I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. Our gospel reading for today contains the most famous passage of scripture, John 3.16. It's a beautiful passage that contains a powerful message, but unfortunately, people often use these words to promote fear. Christians throughout history are guilty of turning John 3.16 and so many other passages of scripture into a fear-based gospel, which is really no gospel at all. However, Ms. Parks suggests with her quote that knowing what must be done, and I would add, knowing what Jesus asks of us, can dismantle this fear that we so often create. I've titled my sermon this morning, Hope and Healing for Our Fears. Please pray with me. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that all who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 More than likely, this isn't the first time you've heard those words, maybe you were at a sporting event and you saw someone waving a sign that said, John 3.16. Or maybe you were walking around Center City and you heard a street corner prophet shouting these famous words to you or to anyone who would listen. Or maybe you've had a friend quote this passage of scripture to you when they heard something about that church you went to that they didn't agree with. Whatever the case may be, I'm guessing we've all heard some, had some strange experiences with John 3.16 before. And unfortunately, in all of those circumstances that I just described, the words of John 3.16 are used to promote fear. People use this passage as a way to condemn and put down other churches, other individuals, other ideas. According to some Christians, John 3.16 clearly states that in order to go to heaven after you die, you must believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And so then anyone who espouses a theology that differs from this understanding should be very, very afraid. This is what some people say. It's probably the sermon that some people are giving this very morning. But I think using John 3.16 like this is so harmful and frustrating. I mean, don't we have enough to be afraid of these days? There's so much going on in our world right now, so much that people are struggling with. So then why are we using the scriptures to try and make people more afraid? People are struggling with addiction. In the United States, it's estimated that over 20 million people struggle with some form of addiction or another. 
people are struggling with depression. Current statistics say that over 16 million Americans are currently battling depression of one degree or another. And, of course, people are struggling with just learning, earning a living wage. Currently, 12.5% of Americans are underemployed. Fear and despair and worry are all around us. Millions of people are just trying to get through each day, just trying to make ends meet, just trying to get out of bed each morning. And so it's not okay that Christians are adding to the fears and anxieties of people who already have too much to worry about. John 3.16 says that you will perish if you do not believe. Get your life together or you will be punished by the Lord. If you don't straighten up, you will not get into heaven. Not only do words like this just add fear to people's lives, words like these are Just wrong. When people talk about this passage from John in this way, they're putting their focus on the future, on what happens after we die. But the truth is that these words from John are actually about our life right now. Let's break it down together, all right? We're going to get into the scripture this morning. Get those Bibles out. They're in the pew backs in front of you. If you brought your own, bonus points as always. We are turning to John chapter 3. It's on page 81 in the New Testament. Um, if you've got your smartphone app, it'll find it for you automatically. Pretty slick. <laughs> or if you haven't memorized, yeah. Since we've been talking about verse 16, uh, let's look at those words carefully right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Now, there are three vital pieces of information about this passage that the street corner prophet leaves out when he's shouting this verse at you as you leave the Wells Fargo Center. In verse 16, it says very clearly, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, if you look at the original Greek translation, you can confirm what I'm about to tell you. It does not say that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. It says may have. These words are written in the present tense, not the future tense. Because the focus of these words is on the present. Eternal life is something that believers will find right now. Not someday far off in the future after we die. That's point number one. Point number two. We often assume that the phrase eternal life is referring to our life after death. And so this passage suddenly seems really confusing. How do we experience life after death right now? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because that's not what the passage is talking about. Again, if you look at the Greek translation of this specific term, eternal life, you discover that the author actually wrote a life that is the way it was always meant to be. The phrase eternal life is not talking about life in heaven. It's talking about a life right now that is in line with God's hope for us. A life right now that is whole and complete and in tune with God. One final point. In verse 16 where it says that everyone who believes in him may not perish, 
we again assume that the word perish is talking about our physical death. But the term perish is actually better translated as to end in ruin. The Gospel writer John is not talking about a physical death. He's talking about our human tendency to ruin our lives through sin. So when you put all three of these items together, what the Gospel writer was actually trying to say in John 3.16 was, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not ruin their lives through sin, but may have, right now, a life that is in line with God's hope. So, for those people we've been talking about, those people who are living in fear each day, for the people who struggle with depression or anxiety or addiction, for the people who are giving in to this feeling of despair, John 3.16 says to them, God loves you so much that God sent Jesus so that you would learn how to live the way you were meant to live. There's no message of fear there, folks. There's a message of healing and hope. So we've established that maybe John 3.16 shouldn't be used to promote fear and anxiety in the world. But there's another angle here that we need to acknowledge. Because sometimes we have good reason to be afraid. It's not always the street corner prophet who keeps us up at night. There's a lot of other stuff going on in this world that can be difficult and scary. And even though we might know that John 3.16 and the rest of the gospel is this powerful message of hope and healing for us right now, even though we might know that deep down inside we can still lose faith at times. Sometimes we might even blame God for the fears that we're facing. Sometimes we might even tell ourselves that if God really cared, then all of this fear, all of this pain, all of this heartache would be taken away. Certainly, that's what happens with the Israelites. God's chosen people, from time to time, blamed God for their struggles and difficulties. Turn with me, if you would, to our Old Testament reading for today. It's in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. That's page 130 in the Old Testament. Numbers 21. And we begin... At verse 4, where it reads, From Mount Hor they set out by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the Israelites became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And we detest this miserable food. Well, which is it, Israelites? Is there food or is there miserable food? Right? Make up your mind. So the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness and they begin to lose hope. Where's the food going to come from? What about the water? Why did God free us from Egypt just to have us die of hunger and starvation in the wilderness? These are very real fears that have led the Israelites to believe that God doesn't care. And so they complain to Moses and to God and God sends poisonous serpents into the land. Snakes that bite and chase and terrify the Israelite people. Now you think about this for a second. Imagine how scary this must have been. We just kind of gloss over it, but these aren't ordinary snakes. 
these are heavenly, otherworldly snakes that God has sent to the Israelite camp. There's no telling how scary these things can be. And, and here they are all over camp, and one bite from them will kill you. And you're out in the wilderness with no place to hide, and there's probably no trees to climb to get away from the snakes. And again, these are otherworldly snakes, so who's to say that they can't fly trees or, or have magical powers, right? <laughs> and so the Israelites, <laughs> they realize that they've gone and messed up. And so they go to Moses and they say, you got to let God know that we're sorry and we really don't want those snakes anymore. So jump ahead to verse 7. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord, Moses, to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a poisonous serpent and send it on a pole and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. The Israelites really want those snakes to get out of town. Take this fear, this threat, this struggle out of our lives, the Israelites say. But that's not what God does. The otherworldly, heavenly, magically powered snakes remain. What God does is God provides healing and hope to the Israelite people in the midst of their fear and pain. Friends, I want to say this to you very clearly. Following Jesus is not just about getting to heaven when you die. God does not just say to the Israelites, don't worry about those snakes because you're going to go to heaven once the snakes get you. God gives the Israelites healing and hope right now. In the midst of their difficult circumstances. And following Jesus is the same way. It's not just some sort of get out of hell free card. Following Jesus means that you are better equipped to handle the fear and the pain that you encounter in your life right now. God cares about the fears that we face and the conflicts that we deal with. God cares about your addiction and your depression and your financial hardships. God cares about the anxieties that fill your mind every day. And even though God doesn't always take the problems away, what God does do is even better. God sends Jesus to be with us in the difficult moments. God sends Jesus to show us how to live right now despite the fear. As Rosa Parks said, knowing what must be done does away with the fear. I'll go one step further, Rosa. Knowing the ways of Jesus brings healing and hope to whatever fears we might face. Jesus shows us that when we practice forgiveness, there is healing and hope. Jesus shows us that when we take time to be alone with God in prayer, there is healing and hope. Jesus shows us that when we work for peace and reconciliation, there is healing and hope. Jesus shows us that we can care for the outcasts, and when we do, there is healing and hope. Knowing the ways of Jesus does away with the fear. All those snakes that invade our life suddenly don't seem so scary anymore because Jesus is there with a never-ending supply of healing and hope. I know that there's a lot to be afraid of out there, folks. I know that there are certainly snakes who will try and make us even more afraid, but God so loved the world that he sent Jesus so that we wouldn't be ruined by our fear or our pain, but so that we would find that in our lives right now, we are eternally filled with healing 
and hope. Amen.